This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It's great to have you on Thursday, December 17th. I'm Jerem Jordan, teamed up with a member of the Royal Crew 22 Jason Shepard. Yeah, and it just so happens I am wearing royal today. That was not planned. It just so happens. Look, well, look, it's one of two. It's either royal blue or navy blue I'm going to be wearing. That's, so, that's true. Actually, originally, I, I uh, actually, whoa, whoa, whoa. you might what be able doing? to see a little purple oh, coming out. For, I, got, I, I had my uh, for a sec. had my Donovan Mitchell jazz, uh, jazz t-shirt jersey I was going to wear, but yeah. uh, a, little too, a little too cold t-shirt to just jersey. go t-shirt. So, yeah. yeah, I'm always part of the royal crew, whether oh, it's 22, love. 21, 29. 78. 362. I heard a Niner in there. Yeah. I'm always the part of the Royal Crew. Yeah, BYU football tweeting out, uh, who's next? The Royal Crew 22. That's Look, at, they're a year out, man. They're going, hey, next December, who, uh, you know, and for the 22 class. You've always got to be looking ahead. Always looking ahead. Always. I, I love that. I love that. Here's your show lineup today. Oh, man, there's a lot going on. NCAA transfer news. What? Which conference commissioner thinks the BCS would be better than the playoff committee? Zach Wilson gets the shaft, a rare thing in his life. We'll preview the matchup with UCF in the Boca Raton Bowl with the Knights play-by-play Mark Daniels. And men's volleyball is back, baby. I can't wait. You're so excited. Steve Vale can't wait. Oh, it's going to be fun. We'll be in there tonight. Uh, the head coach of the Cougars, Sean Olmstead, will join Who's us. Who's more excited, you or Steve? Yes. <laughs> Correct. Here are today's headlines. BYU quarterback Zach Wilson was not named a finalist for the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award. I know, it's ridiculous. We'll get into that in a minute. The award is given to the nation's top upperclassman quarterback. Now, the finalists include Kyle Trask from Florida, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence, Uh Mac Jones from Alabama. You're seeing a pattern here? Hmm. Ohio State's Justin Fields and Notre Dame's Ian Book. I'm going to throw the book at him. The award winner will be announced on December 21st. More on this subject and this Travis Shamockery coming up in just a few minutes in What's Trending. You think there's a person with that name out there? I hope so. What's your last name? Shamockery. The NCAA approves a blanket waiver for all Division I sports for immediate eligibility to transfers for this season. So as of last night, there were a bunch of dudes that could all of a sudden play and ladies who could play basketball. Yeah. As for the one-time transfer rule without penalty beyond this season being permanent, that's expected to be voted on in January with an effective date of August 20, or 1st, 2021. We'll discuss whether we think that's a good thing coming up. And it does not apply to D2 to D1. Gotcha. So Brandon War of the Correct. basketball team still ineligible to play there. Correct, yes. All right, several former Cougars will be in action tonight in both the NFL and the NBA. Michael Davis and the L.A. Chargers visit Las Vegas to face Ben Bagley's Raiders tonight at 820, uh, 820 Eastern on Thursday Night Football. I think it's fair to say we're all pulling for the Chargers in that one. Uh, in NBA preseason, Yoli Childs what? and the Wizards host the Detroit Pistons Wizard, at 7 Eastern. And then Jake Toulson and the Utah Jazz on the road in L.A. against the Clippers at 10 Eastern. That's kind of cool to just see Yoli and Jake. With those teams in the preseason. It's very cool. Yeah, and I keep thinking of the uh, Phantom Menace. This is wizard, Annie. Uh, <laughs> watch the men's... This movie's so bad. Watch the men's volleyball scrimmage tonight on the BOA TV app, 9 Eastern. The Cougars were ranked number one when the season ended in March. I went to practice uh, the other day. They look like the same team, but better. Uh, they've added some exciting freshmen as well, so very exciting. Look out, MPSF. Let's go, baby. 
Okay, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned the Phantom Menace, but you didn't even mention the best part. Now this is pod racing. Now we can get to what's trending. The finalists for the Johnny <laughs> Unitas Golden Arm Award were announced. Uh, five Power Five guys, as uh, Jason mentioned a moment ago. And Zach Wilson wasn't one of them. Is this an outrage? <laughs> it is an outrage. Look, it is. And this is not just us being BYU homers. The stats bear it out. It's an outrage, but unfortunately, it's also par for the course. With what we've seen this year with the P5s and those who are not P5, it's par for the course. Honestly, I have no idea how a guy who's in the top five in completion percentage, passing efficiency, touchdown passes, yards per attempt. Look, it's, it's amazing to me that a guy that by most NFL draft experts believe will be Either the third or fourth quarterback taken in the draft is not as high as second for as, some as high as second in, by some that is not in this type of top five award. I, I, it boggles my mind. And this reeks of P5 bias to me once again. That's that's all this boils down to. There is yeah. no reason. Yeah, and, bad. and you look at some of these these stats that these that Zach is in the top five in. And some of these names that made finalists, sometimes one, two, or even three of them are not even in the top five with Zach. You know what it's I, crazy. You know what I wish it would have said? Just nameless. It's like Notre Dame quarterback, Ohio State quarterback, Alabama quarterback. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is obvious, right? And then Florida quarterback. Okay, it's not just about the stats, although that matters. And let's get to that right now, and then I'll make my second point in our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Okay, among those five hi- uh, finalists, uh, Zach Wilson would be second in attempts, completions, yards, touchdowns, interceptions. He would be first in games played, wins, and he is the highest graded quarterback in college football according to Pro Football Focus. How does that guy not get in the top five? Riddle me this. L- literal name, right? Does he have a golden arm? Is it a silver arm or a gold It's a golden arm. Yeah. The, the way he's been playing... It's not just the stats, although those merit him being there. Because if, like, let's say Liberty was 10-0 and their quarterback was, like, top five and all that, would, would he merit that? Like, maybe, right? But it is a power five award, uh, you know, oftentimes. But Zach Wilson and the NFL draft stuff, albeit, albeit disconnected from a collegiate award, does matter to me. Also, the conversation with him. Also, uh, just because he has the one loss by the one yard – He's not in here. BYU's undefeated. Zach Wilson is in here, probably over Ian Book. Ian Book is the worst of those five quarterbacks. Ian Book uh, has a tremendous defense, a good run game. He is a good quarterback, but I wouldn't call him a great quarterback. He does not deserve to be ahead of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's a great quarterback. I think Zach would replace Ian Book in this. Um, and, And Ian Book is also a guy that has worked with the same company that John Beck works for down in Southern California, by the way. So... Ian's good. Don't get me wrong. Whoa. And Notre Dame's undefeated. Are you telling me that he drove from South Bend to Southern California every weekend? He probably didn't drive. He took a bicycle. <laughs> okay. No, I, I think that Zach Wilson should be in here, and it's unfair that he's not. And it's, But at the end of the day, it's kind of whatever. I was hoping that Zach Wilson would be top three and, you know, Davey O'Brien and top five in Heisman and whatnot. And in the end, he's probably not going to be in a lot of these awards because BYU lost. It has less to do with Zach Wilson's stats and how he's played 
and more about the fact that BYU has that one loss. And unfortunately, that margin for error is way too small for BYU. Okay, but that's that's not what this award is for. It's not a right, but that's the reality. I, it, well, it, yeah. but that makes no sense to me then because it's it's an. What well, it does with Ian Book? Why is Ian Book in here? He doesn't deserve it because Notre Dame's undefeated. But that's this why. this is a this is a quarter. This is an individual award, and I understand we're talking about. Oh, amen. In, in sports, yeah. we're talking about teams, yep. and it's it's the whole. You know, it's not the individual. It's not the part. There's only one team award, and it matters the most. It's called the National Championship. Right. And, and I, I agree with you. I, I think we all just assumed, I know I certainly did, I thought it was a foregone conclusion that any quarterback award was going to have Zach Wilson as a finalist in it. I thought that was and determined I, a long time ago. Well, let's and, and what this means, I agree with you. I think what this means is, Zach Wilson probably doesn't even – now, that's not just a quarterback award. That will incorporate other positions, obviously. But I, I, I just assumed Zach would probably be, you know, one of the four guys for Heisman earlier in the year. I, I don't, after seeing this, I don't think there's any chance they give him a, an opportunity, even though he absolutely deserves yeah, it. He won't be a Heisman finalist. He won't be invited to be one of the three or four. If that's how they still do it, it'll be via Zoom. Right. But Zach, yeah, Zach deserves a lot of these things. Listen, the ultimate prize for Zach himself – isn't whether he's a finalist with Johnny Unitas. It's whether he's the second or third quarterback taken in the NFL draft. This is an excellent quarterback year. This is a better year than normal. In a normal year, Zach's on that list we just showed. He is. But this year, you have a weird year. And like Justin Fields might not be on this list if Ohio State had to play 11 games like everybody else that has played a full uh, accoutrement of games. He's played fewer games. Nice word, by and the so way. He, thank you. So he's had fewer to go. Kyle Trask uh, has had an unbelievable year. He's been incredible, despite the loss to LSU, uh, where that happened over the weekend. Keep your shoes on, I guess, right? So Ian Book's the one that sticks out. His headshot's also a little smaller, so he does stick out <laughs> on this graphic as well. All right, moving on. Yesterday, official word from the NCAA came down announcing that all D1 transfers are immediately eligible to play for the 2021 season. The NCAA is expected to vote in January, so just in a couple of weeks, to make the one-time transfer rule permanent. So February. Yes. <laughs> so, however, does a one-time transfer rule in the NCAA help or hurt BYU? Okay, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I think it doesn't affect BYU any differently than it affects everybody else. Obviously, think of it both ways. You, you kind of initially think, oh, how could this help us? It's like, well, it could hurt too. Um, guys can just bounce to another school uh, without penalty, meaning they don't have to sit out a year. I have questions, though. Is that going to be blanket, or is it going to be, oh, you still can't transfer within your conference? Yeah, it, does each individual program you know I mean? still have the ability to block certain schools? And can Norm Chow block Mike Wadsworth from transferring to BYU? My next-door neighbor. Really? Shout-out to Mike Wadsworth. Oh, Mike's we, great. We literally share a, a fence. He had a great PBU. Did he pay for half of it? Yeah, we, yeah, we split it. Oh, he's a good neighbor, then. That's how, that's how we... No, he built a fence, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, you, and I paid and half. You paid half, yeah. So you're the good neighbor. No, 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 no. Like a good neighbor, we work together on this. He's a great neighbor. That's Love great. the Wadsworths. Tangent with Mike Wadsworth. Great PBU, by the way. Twenty-four yeah. against Cal to uh, win that game. I, I like the idea because I think if you want to get out of a bad situation, um, whether that be your own perception of playing time or it's a bad culture and toxic environment, or and or academically something. I think you should be able to go. Coaches can go. Average students can go. Right. So why can't the student athletes? I understand that there's some nuance there. But I, I like the idea of the rule that you could just go. But I have questions like, is it going to be intra-conference or can a coach block you? Or Like, I think there was some public pressure on Utah when Caleb Lohner wanted to come down. 
and uh, Mark Carlin uh, there, Larry Kristoviak said, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll let him go. And that was a good move. Like, that was a nice move. I would hope that BYU would do the same thing. They've shown that they would do the same thing several times. Uh, Connie has said Mika as Tafua, Francis Bernard uh, stick out going to Utah. So th- those kinds of things. Yeah, what it means for BYU, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I am curious to see how much uh, this really does affect the number of transfers we see. Do we start to see... I mean, double the amount that we would normally see in a season because of this. And do you do you assume that's a bad thing? I feel like people think that's a yes. Bad I think thing. the connotation is but that why? is a negative thing. Why is that a look? Bad thing? See, I was on the side of I didn't like the ability to transfer without having to sit out. I, I was in that camp for a really long time, but I've changed my opinion on that. Mm-hmm. I do like this. I like the fact that it's a one-time thing. That doesn't mean you can't transfer more than once. Right. It just means that if you do, you're going to have to go back to the old ways where you have to sit out a year. Unless you're a grad transfer. Yes, unless you're a grad transfer. Yes, thank you. But I, I like it because, look, things change throughout the course of someone's career. You change. You, you change. Staff. The program's change. Coaching staff changes. What if it's a different coach? Like, they didn't recruit you? Yes. They didn't want you. Look, and we, now you're not on scholarship. Or how something. many guys have come in because they wanted to play for Kalani? We see in basketball. How many t- Matt, Matt Harms is here because of Mark Pope. You know what I mean? And so there is that tie. And if those coaches are no longer here, I don't mind. Again, I've come around to this. I'm perfectly okay with the ability to have a course correction because things in your life change and needs change. And if you have the ability to be able to go someplace and play immediately, the one time I'm fine with. Beyond that, then, yeah, you're going to need to sit out and you need to go through the other rules. But I, I like the way this is going. It's it's free agency. That's what it is. You can just go one time, bang. Change team. We're all about the free agency. With no contract, per se, right? Let's well, go. agency. It's just not free. Yes, a moral agency. Our question of the day. Were you shocked Zach Wilson was not a finalist for the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award? Why or why not? Let's hear from you in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Todd Dustin 2. Todd Dustin 1 was taken. <laughs> no, not really. The P5 thing has gotten out of hand. The P5 thing is rearing its ugly head this week in the rankings for the College Football Playoff Committee, and now this. More on that coming up with Mike Oresco of the uh, American Athletic Conference. Uh, we joke, our commissioner uh, <laughs> in football because we've <laughs> talked to him like so much. But, yeah, it's, we knew this was an issue, but it's been more of an issue this week. Without, there's no question. But I was still shocked. I was not Todd. I was like, what? Yeah. The thing I like about what we're seeing now is it's not just the G5 schools. National media going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. Now you've got. like, oh, Power 5 invitational. That's what the playoff is. That's that's when the change will happen is when the people who actually have some influence start making a fuss about it. Yeah. That's when it will change. We have yet to see anything change, but hopefully we do. Yep. Coming up, which signee for BYU will be the first to make an impact? Oh, let's go. Football. And, oh, by the way, BYU plays UCF in five days. Forget about that. Let's preview the matchup with the Knights with play-by-play man Mark Daniels. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU will face UCF next Tuesday in the Boca Raton Bowl. And countdown to kickoff. Get you ready. Tune in to BYU TV is Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon, and Spencer Linton. 
get you ready for the game. Coverage begins 6 p.m. Eastern on December 22nd. That is next Tuesday on BYU TV and the BYU TV app. Big game with UCF. I know some BYU fans are hoping for a Power 5 opponent. Well, hey, so is UCF in the ballgame. But <laughs> this is going to be a fun matchup. Let's preview it now by bringing in the play-by-play man, the voice of the Knights, uh, Mark Daniels, host of The Beat of Sports on 96.9 The Game in Orlando. And, Mark, you already had Jason on your show, and now you're on essentially Jason's show. So uh, nice swap this morning. <laughs> It was. I appreciate it and happy to return the favor. Well, and look, we started the conversation talking about the difference in temperature. Uh, Mark had mentioned that, uh, <laughs> there was a cold, that there was a cold front coming in. He had to put on a sweater because it was reaching 65. <laughs> so, yeah. It's still not. It, it, it's not getting above 63 today. In fact, I just checked. It's 59 right now, so it's freezing here. <laughs> uh, you, you'll get no sympathy from us. Uh, 36 degrees in Provo here. And it was actually 16 degrees when the game ended Saturday against San Diego State. So that's good news. Uh, this bowl game about three hours away uh, from Orlando and Boca Raton. Tell us a little bit about what UCF kind of expected. I think maybe it was Pitt, right, or a Power 5 team. And BYU is hoping to get something Good at 10-1. I personally love this game. I think it's a, a great spot. I think playing UCF is incredible. I, I love everything about this. Oh, I love the matchup. You know, UCF, the way the season had gone, you know, you set goals to, to, to try to get to the New Year's Six, and it, it did happen for us. And obviously in a COVID world, uh, I think our feeling was we really didn't want to leave the state. You know, UCF, once we had a revised schedule, we ended up only nine games this year. We were one of the few teams in the country that didn't have to have a game change, cancel, postpone, whatever. We played the nine on the schedule that we had. So we were done that Black Friday of Thanksgiving. And uh, as you guys know, it's hard to keep your team engaged. Uh, all of us brought players back on June 1 in some sort of a bubble. And to tell those guys, hey, hang in here for four weeks, stay through Christmas. So you said was one of for a game in the state. Uh, there are two bowl games that were options post-Christmas, but the Boca Bowl being pre-Christmas was really appealing to UCF. And then as ESPN came in and said, look, we think we'll be able to match up with the ACC team. And it looked like it was going to be Pitt. And then Pitt beat Georgia Tech. And then they said they didn't want to play in the game. Virginia got blown out by Virginia Tech. They were out. Boston College is already out. Virginia Tech at five and six wasn't really appealing to UCF. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, who? BYU, like, yeah, let's do this. Fantastic. So I'm excited. I know UCF is excited because no disrespect to those ACC teams. I think we've got a much better opponent and one that has some national appeal because of the brands involved and the quarterback. So I'm excited. Yeah, this the two offenses is just amazing when you think about the the prolific offenses that will be on display. My question for you is, what is it about this Knights offensive system that continues to churn out these types of numbers year in and year out? Um, it's, it's our speed and our tempo forcing a defense to try to match. Uh, what Josh Heupel took from Scott Frost then put his own fingerprints on it is tempo, tempo, tempo. Can I get the playoff as fast as possible so one you're not able to sub if i'm not subbing and two you're not able to keep up and suddenly i find a mismatch of either a linebacker on speedy receiver or just you guys make a mistake defensively and somebody's open so we'll take some shots deep you see we'll do that every football game but that's the design of tempo now we don't do that every single uh, a play but that's the thing that UCF has had success in, in, in catching people off balance. And then from a speed standpoint, most of the teams we play, I'm not saying it's in this game, but most of the teams we play 
we're faster when it comes to our skill guys matching up with somebody else. That our wide receivers, our running backs, and in some cases our quarterback, they'll be faster than who's trying to tackle them, and that becomes a really a big advantage. So with that, plus some talented skill people from a fertile recruiting ground in Florida or quarterbacks from Hawaii, um, you can put together an offense that's going to put up some yards and points. Let's talk about some of the individual matchups in this one, which I think are really fun. Obviously, Dylan Gabriel is a baller. Um, Dylan Gabriel and Zach Wilson's dad, they actually played against each other in Hawaii in high school, which is pretty gnarly. And Dylan Gabriel's dad, Garrett, beat BYU uh, in 1990, the day that tied up and won the Heisman. So there's a little history there. That quarterback matchup is going to be a fun one. It is. Uh, you know, Dylan, uh, it, 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 it's a 30-for-30 it's a 30 30 story, guys, where, you know, it starts, what if I told you not one, but two quarterbacks would uh, uh, spend time in high school breaking all of Tua's records and then choose to come to Orlando, Florida, uh, and have the success that they have had. And uh, Dylan's been fantastic. The unique situation of, obviously, after McKenzie Milton went down, but then Dylan had to earn the job last year, and Josh Heupel made the decision uh, to go with him. Uh, believe it or not, his first start uh, was against FAU, the stadium we're going to play at. And he played okay, but then after that really took off. And now here he is two years as a starter, uh, 59 touchdowns, just 11 interceptions, is on pace to shatter every UCF passing record. Um, it's a great story. Um, but he's a really good student of the game, understands defenses really well, just like McKenzie, who I think is one of the best out of being able to read that pre-snap coverage and have an idea. And at the same time, uh, have some talented players around him that allow him to, uh, you know, have that success. But uh, uh, Dylan's just a, a, a great young man, has an incredible future. Obviously, it led to the unique situation with McKenzie Milton about to stay or to leave. And I think one of the things McKenzie really understood was, look, Dylan's entrenched himself as a quarterback here. This is this is his team now. He's earned the right to have that. And part of why McKenzie, I think, chose uh, to leave. As far as Zach Wilson goes, obviously, look, the numbers are fantastic. I love the story, too. Not somebody that was you know, highly recruited that just got better and better and to have the numbers, the completion percentage, touchdown uh, to interception ratio to roll out and run and, and, and throw, um, you know, some similarities a, a lot in, in the personality and style of play for these two quarterbacks. Then I look at the 2000 round receivers in the game and there's almost a third one there with Jalen Robinson, but it's Marlon Williams who's putting up 130 yards a game and 10 touchdowns overall. That's incredible. And then Dax Milne, who's really come on the scene for BYU. That wide receiver matchup, I think, is going to be a fun one, too. Well, you have to focus on a different one. Marlon's out. Marlon uh, 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 hurt his foot um, uh, uh, in the Cincinnati football game, and Marlon's got an opportunity to have uh, a success the next level. He's going to try to get himself ready uh, you know, for the Senior Bowl, which I don't know if that's possible, but he'll focus on that. But Jalen Robinson, uh, who's a transfer Oklahoma, Jalen's, uh, you know, uh, a few catches this football game. He'll become a second thousand yard receiver uh, for UCF. Jacob Harris is a six foot five kid that's uh, our, our big deep threat downfield. Rhino Keisha speaks from Texas. So there's a, a bunch of weapons. Marlon put up incredible numbers doing it in just eight games. Wish him well because he had a phenomenal second half of the season last year. A great season uh, this year becoming first-team all-conference. And the other first-team all-conference wide receiver was Jalen Robinson, who, who you'll see in the game on Tuesday. Well, and if you want to add even more to it, we know how good the Knights can run the football. And, and that's something I think BYU's defense is paying very close attention to. I mean, Mark, is, is there any reason to believe this game is going to be anything other than a shootout? Well, except when we think that we end up with defensive games, but the indication, you know, I think is a lot of points are going to be scored. Um, I, I think I looked at it, but, but um, I don't know how many four-hour games you guys have played this year. We've played four. 
Um, so, so we've been at the stadium for quite uh, a long time for some of these games, partly because of points and possessions. Uh, you know, uh, we don't mind scoring in a minute, you know, or, or 90 seconds. That leads to longer games sometimes. But um, I would think this is a game that has a lot of points. Look, our defense at times has struggled. We're playing some young corners, which is a concern, obviously, against this BYU offense. We've got two talented freshman corners that are going to be really good. They've gotten better as the year has gone along. But they're freshmen. Uh, a third corner is a true freshman. Um, so we're going to be challenging that secondary. So that's going to be tough for us, I think, to think that you're going to hold BYU under a certain number. And you would think that UCF's going to have some success, although great respect for what BYU's done, and particularly shutting down the run uh, this year. But you would think this is a game that uh, may take a while to get through because of the offenses on the field. No four-hour games for BYU. The longest one would be 343 at Houston. So... 343, uh, we'd kill for a 343 game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so at Navy, BYU's played the AAC a couple times at Navy uh, at Houston this year, so a, a third look there. BYU's never won in Florida, so there are certain, certainly a few opportunities there. I know the USF last year, BYU went there and lost. It wasn't with Zach Wilson. So th- this is going to be a fun one, and it's a couple days away. Tuesday is certainly a unique opportunity. So how do you expect this game to play out next Tuesday in the Boca Raton Bowl? Well, you know, you talked about the game on Tuesday. I think for BYU, even though I, I think every school loves the chance to be able to kind of shut it down for a couple of weeks, then start bowl practice and get healthy, it, it, there may be an advantage for BYU, the fact that you guys played last week. It really is staying in your normal routine. Instead of playing Saturday, you play on Tuesday. I know it's a long trip here, but you don't have that shut it down, start it back up. I think UCF handled that well, though. They gave the team a little bit over a week off, then got back into, um, you know, a, 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 the football schedule here. Look, I think for UCF, First defensively, as I said, um, I expect BYU to challenge the young corners for UCF. UCF's got to get some pressure up front, but pressure also means not losing sight of Zach Wilson. Pressure on linebackers. And UCF's got a couple of speedy sophomore linebackers, uh, as well as a junior linebacker, Eric Gilliard, somebody you want to keep an eye on. It's important that those guys know all the time where Zach Wilson is. So UCF can't give up the big play. um, uh, Defensively, get some pressure and not give up the big play. Offensively, it is establishing the run. I mean, people look at us and think about offense and throwing the football over the place. UCF still runs 52% of the time. When the running game is on, it obviously sets up that passing game. And UCF needs to take its shots and have some success throwing the ball uh, down the field. Turnover is always a factor in games. UCF has plus 12 this year. Over the course of this four-year run for UCF, uh, we've been about plus 40. Um, and that's a big reason for 41-7 and seven, uh, the last four years. So protect that football. And look, I think both teams, you always want to play from the lead and not take yourself out of what you want to do. But turnovers in this game, not giving up the big play important. I do think for UCF, it's the tempo on offense. Can they just keep it going when they have the opportunity to do it to try to catch BYU to make a mistake defensively? When that happens, that's when UCF wins. When they turn the ball over, when they commit too many penalties, And when they have quarterbacks that can run and throw, they've struggled at times. Desmond Ritter at Cincinnati did that to UCF, um, talented player. And clearly, I think Zach Wilson, every bit as good, if not better, in some areas uh, as well. Well, it should be a fun game next Tuesday on ESPN. And, Mark, we appreciate the uh, details on UCF. Should be a fun game. Thank you, guys. Have safe travels. Appreciate it.
Thanks, Mark. We appreciate it. So Jason going on Mark's show, Mark going on uh, our show. So just just a little uh, quid pro quo there. And know? we'll probably have Mark or one of his uh, broadcast partners on pregame. So uh, now it's unfair. It's two, <laughs> two for one. You know? Now we've tipped the scales a little it's bit. It's a power five scheduling agreement, if you will. <laughs> right. It's unfair. It's Come a two on. for one. That was uh, Mark Daniels on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. So, yeah, I didn't know uh, Marlon Williams was out, the top receiver. So that's a big deal. Uh, thousand yard receiver gone. That'd be the Dax Milne equivalent, right. if you will. But uh, they still have a dude in, in Jalen Robinson, as you mentioned, nine hundred thirty five yards. They they throw for three seventy three a game and rush, rush for yes. two fifteen. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's incredible. Yeah, we we think of them as a passing team, and they certainly are. But they also, as he mentioned, fifty two percent of the time they run the ball, and that's why that's they have gnarly. so much success run uh, passing the balls because you you just jam everybody in to stop yes. the run, and then there you have a big play. Yeah, defensively, big challenge for you. Absolutely. Coming up, Jerem, that guy right there, talks with BYU men's volleyball head coach Sean Olmstead. Yeah, we got the match tonight, a scrimmage, and who's ready to bring back the BCS? I never thought we'd utter these words. What are we saying? On the show, which conference commissioner said that? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Listen as BYU travels to San Diego State for a big basketball matchup on Friday. Join me and Mark Durant for Eastern with Cougar pregame live. Then the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel and Mark, will have the call of the game. Five Eastern all on BYU Radio and the BYU Radio app. That is, you could argue, the third biggest game of the season by Ken Palm Rank. San Diego State. Big game tomorrow. Tuesday Massive. football. Let's go. He's Jason. I'm Jerem. This is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Round presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Tackling America's most challenging shipping problem. All right, which one of these signees for uh, for BYU football yesterday will be the first to make an impact on the field for the Cougars? There's only four or five that will actually play this next season. So I think Inoka Mingo. Uh, he's a guy that's going to play right away. 6'5", 240 from Temecula. Maybe in a backup role uh, on the defensive line. The other guys have a chance too, but I just think it's hard as an offensive lineman to make an impact immediately. Typically, redshirting anyway. Look, I don't want this to sound like a cop-out answer because it probably will. I have no idea. We have no idea. Just because somebody gets playing time doesn't mean that they'll make an impact. First, make an impact. We honestly may have to wait for some of these guys that are going on the missions to come back. If we're talking about like an actual impact, it, it may be Logan Fano or... John Henry Daly. Right now, we just don't know. Such an inexact science. You need to look into the future. Conan? AAC, in the year 2000, AAC commish Mike Oresco said this yesterday. After watching the selection show, I didn't know where to begin. If this continues, let's bring back the BCS in the computers. <laughs> the BCS would be more fair than what we're seeing now. Would the BCS be a better option for non-Power 5 teams than the current system? Yes, because it takes the idiots out of it. It takes. It Are you t- calling the playoff committee idiots? I'm saying that because I am. Because a lot of their decisions <laughs> that they've made and the rationale behind them sound idiotic. So yes. You think Ronnie Lott's an idiot? That's Tom Holmes' homie. Look, hopefully he doesn't bite my finger off. No. It was a helmet. I know. Uh, Look, the fact fact that we are talking about the BCS being a better option, and it is in this situation, speaks volumes about the college football playoff. I've said this several times. I wish that we had more transparency relative to the process because the men's basketball selection committee with Tom Homo on it for three years, we've learned a lot about how it works. They use numbers as a reference, but it's not everything. I want that. Like, the BCS was flawed in that it didn't take into account certain things that we want humans to account for, but it at least established, and and let's be honest, 
this year is unique. I don't remember feeling the same way last year. Maybe because BYU is actually in it. Yes, it changes everything when BYU is a part of it. And COVID has wrecked this too. Like Cincinnati's played more games than Ohio State, but they're not penalized for not playing those games. So COVID has weighed into this as well. So it's it's kind of interesting. All right, we've got a bonus prop pick for you. Oh, really? Right. Do so I have this, a chance? So to this, this does not I'm count. Down no, one. It does not count in the standings. Okay, so okay. this is just bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, more Yoli points, Jake Toulson points, or Michael Davis tackles tonight. All three in action tonight. Michael Davis tackles because the Chargers play the Raiders. So there will be more tackles. Nice. Just, just quick out, boom. Tackle. Nice. And like, and like 17 sacks against David Carr. That'd be a lot. Yeah, safety build or uh, corner build. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with Michael Davis, but for a different reason. I have no idea how much playing time Yoli or Jake. Do you have any idea get. about anything? No, no, no. I, I'm gonna say Michael Davis. At Yoli right yeah. now in, in in the one game, at, I think he played six and a half minutes so far with the Jazz. Jake Toulson's been averaging about three, three and a half. I don't know if they're gonna have enough playing time to be able to get significant Call points. Call up Brian Smith. <laughs> so I'm gonna go Michael Davis tackles because I think. I think he could get four or five tackles, and that I think that would cement that. I like it when you have an answer. It's good. <laughs> Kyle Collinsworth tweeted, would love to be a UFC fighter maybe one day. End quote last night. Which BYU Cougar would you like to see make the jump to the MMA? Oh, there's no question about it. Braden Albacri. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> Braden Albacri. It's not even close. That's... I want that guy in the MMA. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait, you mean Bracken? Excuse me, Bracken, yes. Okay, Brayden, I think, could do it, too. Yes, Bracken, excuse me. Yes, Bracken has the personality for it. Okay. Yes, Bracken, uh, I'll back I was thinking Butch Powell. Okay. I I think that he he would be amazing. By the way, he's the linebacker's coach, if I am correct, at uh, Snow. Yes. I occasionally see him at the gym when he's up uh, in this uh, area. Maybe he lives up here and just travels. Just commutes? Yeah. Just commutes down to Ephraim? Yeah, perhaps it does. I think it's possible. People do that. It is possible. Coming up, our rise and shout-outs. And men's volleyball coach Sean Olmstead previewing tonight's broadcasted scrimmage. Are the Cougars as good as they were last year? And they were good. This is BYU Sports Nation. Gobby! BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Get your first look at the BYU men's volleyball team tonight on the BYU TV app. Join Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale on the call as the Cougars take the floor in an inter-squad scrimmage. Coverage begins 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. They've split the teams pretty evenly, so it should be fun. should be fun. By the way, I was 0 for 2 with names in that previous segment. Yeah. I said Braden when I meant Bracken Elbakery, and I called Derek Carr David Carr. Yeah. But, again, it's that okay. just goes to show how much I care about the Raiders quarterback that I thought Derek was his brother. Actually, right. I knew it's Derek. I just said Derek. You just said that, yeah. Yeah. Well, as mentioned, men's volleyball tonight. Very excited about it on uh, the BYU TV app, 9 Eastern time. Sean Olmstead, uh, we, I spoke with him earlier this morning about what to expect tonight, the roster, 2021. Lots to discuss with him on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. All right, Sean, it's great to have volleyball back tonight. I mean, it's been since, I don't know, early March, uh, late February, since we've Done a game on BYU TV tonight on the app, 9 Eastern. So uh, it's good to, good to be back in the Smithfield House. How's it been going with the guys as you prepare for the weirdest season in BYU volleyball history? Yeah, uh, that may be the uh, understatement of 2020 right there. You know, 2020 has been a, an interesting year for everybody. But uh, as you said, just ecstatic to be back in the Smithfield House. We've been fortunate to be training there. But for us to kind of put up the venue tonight and and 
get the guys in their uniforms and give them give them an opportunity to compete in a, a, a volleyball match in a match setting. We're 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 ecstatic, and it, it's been it's been a, a lot of adjusting and kind of learning through through this past semester on uh, dealing with all the things, all the moving parts. Um, but I think the guys have done a great job. You know, they've stayed focused. Uh, we're fortunate to have a handful of uh, pretty much all the guys that were seniors last year come back. And th so that's been a, a really good experience for all of us to just continue to build on the culture that uh, that we've had over the last few years. And um, yeah, so it's it's been a learning experience. And I think with the support of our administration, our trainers, doctors and everybody, you know, we've uh, we've been able to find a way to, to train and be in the gym. And that's what's most exciting for the guys. Yeah, and that's a massive advantage, especially against California schools where it's not necessarily been the same. And we'll get into that in a minute with the MPSF. But you mentioned it. You bring back four All-Americans, the National Player of the Year and Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, the best setter in Will Stanley, that according to Off the Blocks Awards, Davide Garniti won Outside Hitter of the Year, and then uh, Zach Eschenberg, and then Mickey Ahianen's back, a middle blocker, Felipe Brito Fejeda. It's like the same team, uh, which is exciting. And then you've added a, a group of freshmen. So do you expect to be at that same level right away to start 2021? You know, what, what we've talked about with the guys from the start and, and really spent a lot of our time working together and, and focusing on is just not being complacent with, with what had occurred, you know, last season. And uh, we, each one of us, you know, celebrated the success of our team, uh, of those players that you just mentioned. But the reality is, is so many teams in the country, pretty much every team out there returned all of their players. And, and they're going to be doing the same thing as getting stronger, getting more experience, uh, learning and, and building together. And so we've done, our, done everything we can to just stay focused on that task, you know, and that task becomes something that's, we, we talk about daily in practice is just controlling that day and that moment, that activity that we're in and really not getting ahead of ourselves and, and buying into any of, uh, any of those things. You know, yes, we've got a great team. It's been to our advantage that we can compete against each other in the gym, but uh, there's so much ahead. And, and again, all the other teams are doing the same thing, bringing, bringing their guys back too. So it, it, it's, you know, building up to be a really exciting time for our guys. And I'm happy that they're going to get another another opportunity, you know, and, uh, you know, to just continue to play, to represent BYU and uh, continue their careers here uh, at the university. We're talking with Sean Olmstead, men's volleyball coach. We did a uh, show called Unfinished Business during the summer where we kind of chronicled what happened during the year. And the high of highs, right? You, you sweep and dominate Hawaii in uh, match one. Match two goes five in extras, and, and uh, Hawaii takes that one. You split. You become number one, and then the next week, uh, you know, COVID uh, hits and, and the season's over. So do you feel like there's unfinished business with this group? Do you feel like that's a motivating factor where it's like, oh, we felt like we had a good shot at winning the Natty. Let's go win it this year. And you, you're kind of playing for two seasons almost this next year, it feels like. Yeah. Um, you know, again, we're going to do everything we can to stay in the moment and in that, uh, you know, present right here in the match that, that's in front of us in the practice. But there's no doubt that when, you know, when all that occurred, and we started to hear rumblings pretty quickly about uh, the seniors being able to get a year back. You know, there was just an excitement and an energy amongst those guys. And that's, that's what happens on teams. You know, they, they put so much blood, sweat, and tears into their culture and their team and into their teammates. And so, 
you know, quickly, very quickly, those guys are like, yeah, we want to come back. Let's, you know, let's go again. Not, not, hey, they weren't preaching. We're going to go win. We're going to go do this. We're going to go do that. They were just excited to be together again and still continue to just be a college athlete, which is right now for those guys, this is the best time of their life. And so they were excited to do that. And uh, as I mentioned, continue to represent the school and just be around their teammates for another year. And, you know, being a good team and, and, and coming off of a, a successful season, obviously that was a lot of motivating motivation behind that, you know. Certainly bringing back all the talent uh, that you have. How have those guys gotten better? Like, is Gabby Garcia-Fernandez the same guy or is he better in Gardini and Stanley and Eschenberg? No, each one of them definitely has improved. And, um, you know, the, those guys, you know, from right when COVID hit, a handful of them stuck around through, through the summer, you know, getting stronger, doing all they could uh, with our strength coach, Terrell Moore, who does an outstanding job. So there was a, a, a nice group that stuck around here. The others went home. Some of them had opportunities to play, uh, you know, with former teams and former teammates. So, you know, with, with every year, I believe these kids get, get a little smarter, you know, gain experience, whether they're playing in, in a ton of competition or not, they mature, they grow, you know, and so there's definitely, we're benefiting from that maturity and that growth. You know, maybe under normal circumstances, they may have played more volleyball in the offseason. You know, uh, those guys, Davide may have gone back and trained even more with uh, the Italian, you know, national team in that group. Uh, Gabby likely would have done the same. So uh, they they did everything they could to stay as fit as possible. So, but uh, we definitely saw the an improvement pretty immediately uh, upon their return. And I think that that's a lot of, like I said, their maturity and their growth personally. So Gardini and Eschenberg, the two outside starters, but Cyrus Fatologa was probably going to be that third guy. Torres Achilles a couple weeks ago, just massive bummer. Who do you expect to replace that spot? You know, Taylor, uh, Taylor's done an, uh, an outstanding job and he's another kid that spent the summer really, really focused on his conditioning he, he showed up back on campus in the fall, uh, fit, trim, ready to go. Uh, and he's playing really, really good, strong volleyball. Uh, he's improved his serve reception. He's one of our better uh, passers. He's uh, very, very aggressive from the service line. People are going to really enjoy watching him and they'll, rec- they'll know Storm and th- this is Storm's little brother. And so there's uh, a really good energy that Taylor's got. Um, you mentioned Cy and that was unfortunate. Those, those things are always... Uh, really, really hard for for the team and for those kids, and and so we'll miss being able to have side because I thought he did he was doing a really nice job actually, and then uh, we've got some freshmen. You know, Mix has come in, uh, Romanis, and really, really is uh, adjusting well to this level, and I think you guys will see that a little tonight. Uh, he's really fitting in with the group, playing every day, competing with our with uh, the top group, uh, and he's right there in the mix. So he's done a really good job. He has a really good feel for the game, really high volleyball IQ, even even better than I uh, than, than we saw recruiting. So right from the start, we were, you know, pleasantly shocked, you know, that, hey, this kid's, uh, he's ready to go. He's a, he's a good server. I think you saw him serving a little at practice the other day. He's comfortable from the service line already. And so hopefully the guys will be, uh, you know, there might be some jitters tonight, you know, because it's kind of a match format. But uh, we've really been pleased with their 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 progression and their performance. Yeah, if a freshman comes in and he wears a necklace, he's got swag, right? Like, Mix wears the <laughs> yeah. necklace. I'm like, oh, we're going necklace already? Wow. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Okay, and then a couple other freshmen I wanted to mention. Well, at least Zio Meyer, uh, the freshman from the mm-hmm. lefty from Chicago. He goes on two a bunch. Uh, he's got some swag. Um, and and one of your assistant yeah. coaches, Micah Naone, got married. Uh, what? Two days ago, Zio shows up in yes. shorts, like short shorts and like a like a Hawaiian shirt. I'm like, who is this kid? Hawaii. Yeah, short shorts, Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. And uh, you know, the guys all kind of looked at me. We were up in that room. They they put us in our own. You room, were like you know, isolated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were upstairs in a room, just our team, and uh, in comes Zio. But that's Zio, you know, that's Zio, and and he does. He's got a good vibe, great energy. And you know swag. We want we can call it swag, but really, really high volleyball IQ. That kid, it just that kid wants to play volleyball nonstop. You know, he was texting me throughout the summer, like you know midnight. Hey, coach, uh, is it okay if I play in a grass tournament with my dad? You know, we're gonna go enter this tournament. We're gonna go here. We're gonna go there. And uh, just I, I, we really enjoy watching him play. The the one thing we're we're working on. He's a great setter. Out really, really good feel for the game, and he can do some fun things. You know, he can, like you said, he's a lefty. He can turn on two, and then he can kind of get the block up there, and then and then make the set. So we're just uh, talking to him a bunch about the the hitters he's got around him, not trying to overdo it and do too much because at times he falls into that. And so he's working every day. He's with us. He's up with our coaches, watching film. We're talking. But, uh, it, you know, he can serve well, too. He can bring it from the service line. So just getting those freshmen consistent with those things, you know, and not trying to ever overdo it, you know, because sometimes they do. They come in and they just want it all to be there right from the start. But, uh, you know, having the, the IQ that he has and the feel for the game, playing so much volleyball, you'll see him make plays that other guys, he, he makes reads two, three steps ahead of the other guys, you know. And so, so that's really nice to have in the gym. I'm excited to watch him play. And it's our first look at the 2021 team tonight, 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Sean, we look forward to being back in the field house tonight, man. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you guys. Thanks for all you guys do, always. Thanks, Sean. That's Sean Olmstead on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. Stoked to see this team. First time since uh, you know February in action. Like I mentioned, geez, what a high they were on. They were, just became number one. They're about to board the plane to Stanford. They actually board it and then get off the plane because they don't know if they're going to play the game. They don't. The season gets canceled. But here we are uh, nine months later. Yeah, I, uh, we are so very lucky with both of our volleyball programs, men's and women's, that we have the programs that we do here on campus. I joke it's a volleyball school. I, I know it's, it is amazing what yeah. both of those programs have accomplished. And year in and year out, Winning a championship is always a goal, and it's a realistic goal with the type of programs these these coaches have brought in. Sibling coaches. Yes, absolutely. Coming up, Jerem is pumped, and he'll explain why in his rise and shout-out. I was like, what am I pumped about? I can't remember. And more of your responses about why uh, Zach Wilson not being on the uh, Johnny Unitas Golden Arm finalist list is a, a Travis Schumachery, as Jason called it. This is BYU Sports Nation. Dude, the vibranium arm. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation is always on demand via the BYU TV and BYU Radio app. You can always download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Our question of the day, were you shocked 
that uh, Zach Wilson was not a finalist for the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award. Why or why not? Let's get to some of your responses here. David C. Moore on Facebook. Until BYU belongs to a Power 5 conference, they'll have a more difficult time getting the attention and notoriety for their team and players, despite the branding size. Unfortunately, when you are a non-Power 5, the margin for error is small. So once BYU lost, then BYU was kind of off the radar. Isn't it funny? BYU feels off the radar. BYU is ranked 17th in the country. I know. We would have begged for this at the beginning of the year. Uh, And then Zach Wilson kind of falls off a lot of these boards, except for the NFL draft boards. And to me, that is the ultimate validation for how good he is. It's not this uh, Football Foundation's top five, which is going to have a P5 bias. You, you know what doesn't have Power 5 bias as much? NFL scouts. They just want the, they want the guys that are going to help them win. Yes. So look to that as the ultimate validation for Zach. But it, it's one of those things you look back and say, okay, so let's say, let's say Zach is the fourth quarterback taken in and the draft. A 14th pick. What, whatever pick yeah. he is, but he's the fourth quarterback taken, but he's not in the top five of a quarterback award? Whatever. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. That, that just makes no sense to me. Okay, in uh, response uh, to the uh, question of the day, our elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, getting that snow this weekend. Uh, Cam underscore Bart three on Instagram. Yes, I know he isn't the quarterback of a Power 5 school, but according to PFF, he has the second highest rated season in the last four years behind Joe Burrow alone. Wow. He is virtually top five in every single quarterback stat. He should be a finalist. Yes, he should be. He's not, but I'm, I'm saying, hey, the draft will be the ultimate validation. It will. All right. All right today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Amer- Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward. Uh, I'll start today. I'm going to give mine to Major League Baseball. Love this. They announced that they are adding the Negro League stats and records officially into the Major League Baseball's records. So all of those players, all of their stats, all of their records mm-hmm. are now part of Major League Baseball, and all of those players who played in the Negro League are now all officially Major Leaguers. That's, that is awesome. They, they recognize it as a Major League. Absolutely. Which it's is cool. awesome. So Satchel Page and those guys, oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm trying to think. Was it Josh Gibson who hit, like, 600 homers or something? That's awesome. Okay, mine goes to men's volleyball. Uh, just excited to be back in the field house. I know the season's coming up. Uh, discussion about delaying it to the end of January, early February. So don't have the schedule quite yet, but that's what I'm hearing. Uh, thanks to today's guests, Mark Daniels and Sean Olmstead. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Sorry to Dennis. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Leo Durkin. We'll see you tonight in the Smith Fieldhouse. Good to be back there. Men's Volleyball, 9 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Gardini, maybe he'll do that again behind his head. Dave Garden? Go Cougs. I love hearing a Christmas song. Chestnuts resting on an open heart. I, I love.